Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. This is Climb Higher Part 8, Numbers Chapter 20. It's going to be our text, Numbers Chapter 20. We're going to do a lot of Bible reading today, so just get ready. Verse 2 is where we're going to begin. It says, Now there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness, Moses, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. I guess that was like their their food of choice. I would have been like steak, steak, and steak, but they want Greg figs, grapevines, and pomegranates. I guess they're vegans. And there, there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes. This is the command of the Lord. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen you rebels. Moses is getting personal. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring the community into the land, into the promised land that I will give them. Now, this series has been going on for a while as we've been talking about Climb Higher. And if you haven't been a part of it, Climb Higher is this. Climbing higher is to get above any situation that you confront in your life. We uh, liken climbing higher to getting away with God, to spending time with Him in prayer, to making time and space to be with Him, to have relationship with Him. So when we see and you hear people in the community, in our community say we're climbing higher, it does not mean they're actually going climbing. Because we know that's impossible in Texas anyways. And so we know when they say they're climbing higher, we are actually getting away with God. We are setting our mind on what his spirit desires. As Paul says in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The way we do that is by just spending time in prayer. It's easier than you think it is. We talked about this last week. Spending time in prayer is actually way easier than you think it is. It is not an hour and a half in your room in your house designated as the war room where you chant and cry and scream. And and although your prayer time might look like that and your life might necessitate it at some times. Spending time with Jesus, we talked about last week, is as easy as turning on your favorite worship album, grabbing your favorite cup of coffee in your favorite chair, and being with Jesus. I mean, it sounds nice to me. I don't know, it's, 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 it sounds good to just be with him. And many people say, well, I don't have time to, to meet with God. I don't have time to pray. And I'm just going to propose this to you. You don't have time not to. In this life we live, in the culture we live in, in this generation, in, 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 in the era that we now find ourselves, we do not have time to waste. And, we, and we've got to make time, and we have to make priority to be with God. Now, this story in, in, in the book of Numbers, uh, it, it's, a, it's really tragic because Moses is one of the greatest leaders of all time. 
Moses is leading the Israelite people, and this is what has happened with Moses, and many of you know because you've been a part of this entire journey of weeks and weeks and weeks as we've talked about this. But Moses went into Egypt, and he set the Israelites free. 490 years in captivity, he set them free. They took off on their way to a land that was promised to them, a land flowing, of mil- flowing with milk and honey, which is a good thing in those days. And it doesn't sound great to me. Again, no steak, milk and honey. But anyways, they, they, they take off towards this land, and it's great. They're on their journey, but the journey gets longer and longer and longer. And in Numbers chapter 20, the journey has now gone on 20 years. No, not 20 years, excuse me, 38 years. 38 years. They've been through crazy, crazy situations. They have crossed the Red Sea. God piled up the water on one side, piled up the water on the other side, and they walked through in dry ground. They have survived snake bites. They have survived lack of food. God brought manna from heaven, lack of water. In another instance, Moses struck the rock and water came out. And so this is not their first rodeo. They have been through a lot. And now they find themselves in this situation where they're in a drought again. And they're in a drought. They're in the desert. They've been there for 38 years. And the people begin to say this. They say, why have you brought us out here to die? It was better for us in Egypt. It was better for us where we came from. It was better for us in captivity than it is out here where there's no water and there's no food. And Moses and Aaron go before God, and they begin to seek his face. And God says, I'm going to provide for you just like I always have. I want you to go out there, Moses, and I'm going to give you some specific instructions. I want you to, in front of the people, I want you to speak to the rock, and water is going to come out. Sounds great in, in, in theory. And he goes out, but Moses is so angry at the people, instead of speaking to the rock, he speaks to the people. This is key for where we're going. He speaks to the people, and he calls them rebels. He says, you, you rebels, you, what, do you, what do you need? God's got to bring water from a rock? He's like getting defensive on God's behalf. He's just like, man, are you kidding me? You need this after everything that God's done? And then instead of speaking... The text says that he struck the rock twice, and water flowed. Well, we know they needed water, so everyone rejoices that water came out. The only problem was God didn't tell them to strike the rock. God told them to speak to it. So he disobeyed God, and the last verse that we read says that because he disobeyed, God gave him and Aaron a consequence. And the consequence, is like he's a child. I'm going to give you a consequence. You have made a bad decision, Moses. And the consequence was this, that you will not go into the land that I have promised you. Now, this is very disconcerting for me because I believe God's given me some promises. I believe that he's shown me some things. I believe there's going to be some things in my life that I'm going to do. There's been people that have spoken words over our church and and, and over my life of things that are going to happen. But this is scary to me because Moses was promised the promised land, but now God says you're not going in. So this tells me something, is that my destiny hinges on my obedience. Just because God promised it does not mean it's without a condition. And the condition is up to me. See, you are more connected to your destiny than you realize. I get frustrated sometimes with Christian circles because we think God's going to do it all. 
We sit back in our spiritual lazy boys and wait for God to bring blessing, provision, opportunity, assignment, and we have forgotten that God gave us hands to work with, a brain to think with, and that we need to get up sometimes and get to work. And as we get to work, God will use us because we work in cooperation with God. We work in partnership with him and what he's doing. This is not us sitting back and saying, go God. This is God saying, I'll give you something but I need you. See, God doesn't need to need us. He chooses to need us. God chooses to work through people. If I was God, I probably wouldn't do it because I know us. We've got issues. We're imperfect. We are not consistent. I wouldn't choose people, but God says, I love you so much that when I move, I'm going to move through you. And so he's moving, but Moses disobeys, and now his destiny is hijacked by his disobedience. So now we pick up this in Deuteronomy chapter 34, and I want to give you a couple more scriptures, and then we'll unpack this together. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1, it says, Then Moses climbed. He climbed higher. He climbed. This is his last time that he would ever climb the mountain. It says, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pigzah, across from Jericho. Then the Lord showed him the whole land, the whole promised land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of the Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land that I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes. He's on the mountain. He sees it. He says, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he was buried in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. So I want to ask this question on the heels of this text. What do you do when you can see your promise, but you can't get into it? What, what do you do when you begin to actually realize that God has something great for you, but there is a limitation to where you can go? Because Moses did what he was supposed to do. He climbed higher. He got alone with God. He's up there on the mountain. God, he goes up. God comes down. They begin to have conversation. As they're having conversation, God says, look. He looks, and there before him is the promise. The only place he could see the promise was from the mountain. Just FYI. He couldn't see it from the valley. He could only see what God was showing him from the mountain. So he had to get up on the mountain. When he got up on the mountain, he, showed, he was able to see where God was leading the people of Israel. But God said, I'm sorry, you are not going in. And I began to think about this because it seems so unfair because this is where, this is where Moses died. The greatest leader of all time. One of the greatest men of God of all time. Someone who had conversation with God. God spoke to him as one man speaks to another. This is how he goes out. By seeing something he can't get into. And it began to frighten me a little bit because I don't want to be able to see something that I can't get to. I don't want to have vision just for motivation. I want vision for actualization. I want to be able to step into what God has shown me. So I begin to ask questions of the text. Why in the world would Moses not be able to step into what was promised him? Because if I'm promised something, that sounds like a done deal. But I found that a promise is not a done deal because a promise from God has a condition for me. And because Moses didn't obey in the little things, 
God wouldn't let him have access to his future. So Moses hijacked his own destiny by his own disobedience. It was a, a couple of weeks ago, the interns went to, uh, on their spring trip, and, and uh, they went to uh, L.A., and they went to the L.A. Dream Center. They're ministering there, and, and uh, Chris, Pastor Chris had told me that they're going to go to Disneyland on their day off, and so it's a big surprise, and he always likes to surprise the interns, and they're waiting, they're excited, they're going to Disneyland, and they get there, the trip's paid for, they planned it, they got the vans, they have, I mean, everything is ready. But I was scrolling through Twitter, and and I saw on Twitter that he tweeted to get all the way, something like to get all the way to Disneyland and realize, you know, get all the way to California and realize you forgot the tickets. 37 paid for tickets. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not good. Uh, But luckily, Bianca saved the day, and she made sure they got the tickets there. And uh, she made sure they got them, so they got into Disneyland. And I was thinking... How interesting is that, that they have a set of rules at Disneyland that even though the ticket was paid for, even though it was prepared for, even though the trip was promised, it was actually negated by us not obeying the rules of the, they could, you, they, Pastor Chris couldn't have went up and played his pastor card. Say hello, I'd like to see Mr. Disney. He passed. How disrespectful. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, could I speak to whoever's in charge? I'm Pastor Chris, Reverend Moore, if you want to be specific. They wouldn't care. So I don't care if you're pastor, reverend, CEO, the Pope. You've got to have a ticket to get access because it is the rules of access. Now I'm going to tell you that there are rules of access to your future. There are rules of access to your destiny. You, you, you can take what's handed to you or you can take what's available and there's a huge difference. Most Christians take what's handed to them and we live with a poverty mentality and we just take what's handed to us. But there are some people that understand that God is an unlimited resource. And that I don't have to just take what he gives me, I can take what's available. Because God's measure of what he gives is determined by my hunger. Not by what is handed to me. There's a huge difference. Some people only have so much because they only take what's handed to them. Some people only eat so much because they only eat what is force-fed them in a situation or in a service like this. But there's some people who have real hunger. There's some people that have real desire. There's some people that say, I'm not satisfied with just status quo Christianity. If I'm going to be a Christian, I want to know God. If I want to know God, I want to know everything there is to know about Him. I want Him. I love Him. I want to live for Him. I want to make a difference. I want to leave a legacy. I want to do something great for him. And those people seem to have access to things, to opportunities, to resources that some people don't have. But it's just what it seems is not the truth. The truth of the matter is the people that actually can make progress in the kingdom are people who have mastered two things. People who know how to climb, but they also know how to obey. What good is getting away with God If we're not going to obey what he says. What good is being submitted to him and taking the name Christian if we're not going to do the things that he asks us to do? Moses was so close, but so far away. Some of you, I felt as I was praying this week, that you're so close to what God has for you, but you're so far away. Because the limiting factor is our own commitment to obedience. Nobody wants to talk about obedience. 
I mean, this is not a popular subject or a popular topic. Nobody wants to talk about our own submitting of our will to the will of God. That's for children. That's for teenagers. I don't need, I'm going to tell you this, this is our relationship with God, is submitting to Him, obeying the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit in our life that will lead us and guide us and direct us into everything that is available for us. In, in this passage in, in, in Numbers, I want to just pull a couple things uh, from it. it. It says in verse 2, it says, Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. I want to tell you that you always have to be careful in life when you're in need. When you're lacking something, you have always got to be on guard. Because they were fine as long as they had water. But as soon as they entered the drought, they begin to grumble, they begin to complain, they begin to oppose their leaders, and they got angry at God. See, this, this is what happens with us sometimes, is that we're emotional people. And, and, and sometimes our decisions aren't the best because they're made out of a place of emotion. Have you ever heard this, do not make a major decision in an emotional moment? That is really important because in an emotional moment, we probably wouldn't choose the right thing because we're feeling something, and our feelings are scary. Our feelings lie to us. Our feelings are not always accurate. Have you ever felt like someone's talking about you? You know, have you ever felt like someone doesn't like you? You ever felt like something was one way, but it was not in reality? Because you're, what you felt in the moment is telling you one thing, but what happened is something else. I've done that before preaching. I've walked out of preaching. I'm going, that was the worst message I've ever preached. And then people are coming up to you in the hallway and say, Pastor, that changed my life today. That was it. I'm like, you did? I feel worse after that. I mean, I, I just, how did that even help you? No, that helped me. It did? I'm surprised. I go home shocked. Like, oh, really? That helped somebody? Praise the Lord. Because what you feel in the moment determines what you project on the moment. And so you have to understand that as a leader, as a man of God, as a woman of God, we have got to learn how to choose faith over feelings. We have to learn how to choose what is right over what we feel in the moment. And it says when the people were in a drought, they begin to oppose Moses and Aaron. And I found that when people are upset, there's usually a reason behind why they're upset. It's usually never what it seems. Some people come and they'll be frustrated with something in the church. Well, so-and-so treated me this way and this and this and this. And, and then once we dive down, we find out there was a death in the family. They had lost their job. And because of what they were feeling in one area, they projected it on another area. I think that sometimes as we attempt to obey God is that our feelings about God get in the way of our obedience to God. That, that sometimes when something is delayed or sometimes something comes in a different way is now we have a feeling about God's favor on our life or God's grace on our life and we just don't always operate accurately. And that is the case here. The people are saying there is a drought. It would have been better for us in Egypt. Yeah, in Egypt where you were whipped every day, where your children were killed, where you were in slavery, but in the moment it felt like that was better. You ever had one of those things happen? You, you ever heard this term? Being hangry, it is the beautiful combination of hunger and anger mixed together. You know those people, like they missed their 12 o'clock lunch and they're like turned into a different person? And you're thinking like, you have now become my enemy. I don't know what you are or who you are. You are a monster. But if you just give them a sandwich, 
They're back to old, lovable Billy, whoever it is. And like, oh, wow, look at that. Because they're just hungry. I have a sibling, a sister. I have three sisters, so I won't tell you which one. Because um, then they might get hangry at a certain time. But if, if they miss their lunch, you know. All of a sudden, the entire perspective on life changes. I mean, it is just like, oh, how are you feeling? I don't know. I'm feeling just like down. I'm just feeling, I don't know what's happening. Uh, you know, it's, I'm like, what, is, what just happened right now? And, and, and then she'll eat. Usually about four carrots. Um, I might have gave away just who it was. And, and then she's amazing. I mean, ready to conquer the world. And it's like, really, those four carrots did that? It's called being hangry, you know? It's just, it's the mixture of anger and hunger. It is not a best time to make decisions. But you know what? Spiritually, we get hangry. Something is lacking in our lives, and because something is lacking, we begin to turn our attention to leaders in our life, to relationships in our life, or to God, and we begin to get angry at the place that he's brought us. They said, why did you bring us here? God's saying, I'm trying to take you to the promised land. They said, why are you bringing us here? God... God, God must have been thinking, like, you thought I brought you out here to kill you? I should have killed you when you were in Egypt. Like, what are you talking about? I brought you out so I could bring you in. Did you know that about God? That he never brings you out of something without wanting to bring you into something. Every time God calls someone out, he calls them in. Every time he saves someone out, he saves them in to something else. This is how God works. So the children of Israel were not going to die in that place. They just felt like they were. And in that moment, and you found this in, in verse 10 and verse 11, it says, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Now, I want to just unfold this for a moment, because he was, God spoke to him to speak to the rock. And what you find in the text is that he spoke to the people and he struck the rock. And I found this out about myself, and I found this out about a lot of people in life, is that we usually speak to the wrong things. And we usually strike the wrong things. He says, I want you to be silent before the people and speak to the rock. But instead, he was speaking to the people, and he was striking the rock. I found this out is that if I can just be quiet before people and speak to the situation, a lot of times the situation would disappear or God will bring something from the situation that I didn't know was there because who would have thought that water would have came from a rock? But God said, speak to the thing that's immovable. Speak to the thing that's in your way. Speak to the hindrance. Speak to the thing that doesn't produce water. And watch me bring opportunity out of opposition. Watch me bring a mess out of a message. Watch me bring a testimony out of a test. Watch me do something amazing in and through your life out of a rock. But it wasn't about if it was a rock, if it was a tree, if it was a desert. It was about obedience. And because Moses chose to disobey and strike what he should have spoke to, he hijacked his own destiny. And I just wonder in our own lives how many things we're striking that we should be speaking to. How many things that we are just trying to break out of the way instead of just speaking to it. Leaders, if you're an executive in, in, in this place or you manage people, let me just give you a leadership insight is you can get what you want done by striking what you should speak to, but there's consequences to getting it done that way. 
I mean, some leaders that are just bulldogs are just going to do it how they want. They're just going to get it done. And, and, and it says the water came from the rock because he struck, struck it. But there was also a consequence. I see some leaders sometimes that just run over people, just barrel through to get what they want done. And they get it done, but there's a consequence to striking what you should speak to. Do you know what I found is that a lot of confrontation is solved with conversations. It's amazing. I, I used to, when I, we're managing an organization and managing a lot of staff and a lot of teachers. And, 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 and I found this is I used to try to think of like wisdom to give them when they brought frustrations to me. Right? Like, hey, like, pastor, I don't know what to do, so-and-so. You know, he doesn't come to work on time. This is really getting on my nerves. And I would try to think of, like, let me give him some wisdom. And then I had this idea. It's just revolutionary. I, I told him, I started telling him, and I just do it all the time, and my staff know this. Have you talked to them about it? Well, no, pastor. They wouldn't understand. They wouldn't. I'm like, oh, wait. So we're having all these meetings and all these conversations about your frustration with them. But if you would just have a conversation, if you would just speak, if, 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 if you just speak instead of strike. See, a lot of times when frustration hits, we speak to the wrong thing. He shouldn't have spoke to the people. He should have spoke to the rock, but he spoke to the people. You know what? We speak to people way too much. You ever told everybody about your business except the person that the business is about? You know, uh, no? Okay. Wrong church? Um, we're saved here. Um, this is what I find with people is before we actually get to the situation and the person in the situation, we have told so many people about it. And we talk about, hey, that's so frustrating. I can't believe they did that. Can you believe how they treated me? And they don't know it. Did you know that's unfair? It's unfair to be mad at someone that you have not had a conversation with. Well, it's not going to work anyway. How do you know? What if Moses would have said, well, it's not going to work anyways. It, it's not going to work. It's not going to work anyways. I, I don't know if it's going to work. No, if God told you to do it, then you do it. See, obedience is not just the revolutionary things that God speaks into your awareness. It's also the things that are written in his word. That is the voice of God. If you can't hear him, then read him. If you can't listen to his voice out of the air, then read his voice that's written in the book. This is the word of God. It is what he says about a situation. People tell me all the time, well, I'm just really praying about going on a mission trip. I don't know if God wants me to go or not. The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's your word. Get on the airplane and go. Well, no, Pastor. No, that's what's written. You're trying to pull something through your emotions and through your financial situation, but you should just read the word and then take a step and follow God and let him provide. I'm telling you that God wants to lead us and God wants to guide us, but he's limited not by our faith. He's limited by our obedience because a lot of times we'll have faith in the moment but until he asks us to do something and then our failure is not in the faith. Our failure is in the follow through. Follow through. It's in the little steps. Don't strike what God has asked you to speak to. And Then it says in, in verse 12 of 20 it says, the consequence. It says, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I will give them. The consequence to Moses' disobedience was a lack of access. And as I was praying for you this week, I just started to think about, I wonder how many things that we have restricted access to. Not because God doesn't want to give them to us but because we just haven't obeyed. Could it be as simple 
as obedience? It was the thing that kept Moses out. Could it be this as simple as obedience? Do you know what I found out about obedience? Obedience happens first in the heart. Obedience happens, it begins and it ends with a yes in our spirit. It's not when the situation pops up and will I obey or will I not. Obedience starts way before that. When we get on a mountain with God, we climb and we get away with God and we decide right there, God, whatever you ask me, the answer is yes. Whatever you call me to, the answer is yes. If you need a missionary, I'm your guy. If you need a pastor, I'm your guy. If you need a janitor, I'm your guy. If you need a CEO, I'm your guy. If you need a businessman, I'm your guy. Whatever you need, God, the answer is yes. Obedience starts way before the situation. Because if you wait until the situation, you will weigh out the options of yes or no. But before the situation comes, when you say the answer is yes, you know already going in that the answer has been decided. I found this out about obedience, that partial obedience is disobedience. At times we'll try to obey in a way that gets like part of the job done so that feeling goes away, but partial obedience is disobedience. I've done this before specifically with generosity. You know when God asks you to give something, and, 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 and so I know, man, I know God's speaking to me to give this away, a certain amount of money, and, and I'm like, oh, man, this is, that's a lot. I don't know. I got a lot of things going on. There's a lot of needs, all this, and the Lord's speaking to me, speaking to me, speaking to me, and then I'm like, well, maybe I'll just give some of it. You ever been there? I'll just give what I can right now because when I do that, I feel like it'll alleviate the, the still small voice, the pressure, but partial obedience is disobedience. He doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the yes. See, we think it's about the amount or about the situation. It is not. And I'll prove it to you because Jesus always required something from people when he healed them. It's not by works that they were healed. It's not by something that they did to attain it. But it was the faith that led them to obey. Faith and obedience work in tandem together. They work in partnership with one another. I'll show you this because Jesus one day, he walks up to a blind man. You remember this story? He takes dirt. He spits in the dirt and makes mud, and he puts it on the man's eyes. And I think that's a really cruel joke because he couldn't see what it was. I mean, he, he might have thought it was like ointment or something. He didn't know spit. I mean, everyone else did. They're like, oh, should we, should we tell him? I'm like, oh, my. And then Jesus says this. He says, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which was not right next to him. It was a ways away. And so the whole way he's got mud in his eyes, Jesus is spit in the mud, in his eyes, blind, and he walks to the pool of Siloam. And he washes in the pool of Siloam. And when he washed, the Bible says he was cleansed. So let me ask you this. Is the miracle in the washing? No. The miracle was in the obedience. Well, what, what, about, what about that paralyzed man that the friends, they broke through the roof? You remember this story? They broke through the roof, and they lowered him down to Jesus, right to Jesus' feet. And, and, and it just, you know, pops down. Jesus has this conversation. He tells him, your sins are forgiven. Pharisees are going crazy. How can he forgive sins? And Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. So the paralyzed man who can't walk picks up his mat and begins to walk. So where was the miracle at? In picking up the mat? We could empty out some hospitals. Just go tell them, just pick up your bed and go. Like, does that work? Yeah, it worked in the Bible. Try it now. No, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't in picking up the bed. It was in the obedience 
to the Word. See, I'm trying to teach you something, that your faith and your obedience go hand in hand. And some people have faith, but they have no obedience. And the obedience is the follow-through that unlocks your miracle and unlocks your destiny and unlocks promotion and unlocks the promises that God's given you. Some people sit back and say, God hasn't given me what He's promised, and I would propose to you that God is going to give you what He promised if... We obey. Partial obedience is disobedience. I found this out, is that delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience, and delayed obedience is disobedience. We, we just went to uh, Europe uh, for our 10th anniversary, visit our London missionaries, and Jamie and I went and uh, got to travel around a little bit. It was like the trip of a lifetime for us. It was just amazing. And uh, so we're traveling, having so much fun. And, and I remember on the day that I left, we were going and we were leaving and, and it had been crazy busy. And so we're trying to get packed up, and get ready to go. And everything's planned. Everything's paid for. Jamie has a very strict itinerary of where we're going and when we're going there and what happened there. And so it's like you got to stay. You got to stay on it. And, and, and so as we're going to the airport, I had this sinking feeling like my passport was expired. I just had this thought like, no, is, is, no, it cannot, and, and I started to get like really anxious, because even though everything was paid for, remember we talked about this with Disneyland, everything was paid for, everything was planned, if I go up to the ticket counter, I will not be able to talk them into, hey, I'm a really good person, I got a lot of faith, I'm a mountain climber, um, <laughs> you might know me, Google me, um, it, it doesn't matter. It, I have to obey their rules, which means the passport has to be valid in order to get access to another country. Does this make sense? So I can have all the faith I want, but it's faith in obedience. It's faith and obedience. Everybody likes to talk about faith, and I think faith is so important, but if you're not willing to have the faith to obey then you will hijack your own destiny. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says, But Samuel replied, Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams, which is what they use for sacrifices. It says to obey is better than sacrifices. You know what? God would rather you go to Texas Day, Brazil. Hallelujah. Am I the only one hungry one in this country? Texas State Brazil and obey him, then fast for the next three days and disobey him. Well, Pastor, I serve on a lead team. I've been fasting. I operate in the gifts. Asterisk, please ask me to come preach. And, but you're not obedient in the small areas of your life. He says, I'd rather you obey. I appreciate all the sacrifice. I'd rather just eat and obey. Do we fast? Yeah, we fast. I'm not talking about not fasting. I'm talking about what God, how the, the measuring, the weights, the scale of God. He says, I'd rather you obey. It, is, it would be better for you and it would be more delightful to me if you would just obey. James chapter 1 verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. 
do what it says. I know obedience is not the topic that everyone wanted to come to church today and hear. That is not the thing that everyone's like, man, let's go learn how to obey. Let's learn how to submit our will to the will of God. Yes, that's not the, it's not the one you take an offering after. It's, it's, it's not the one you hoop and holler about. But I'm going to tell you that, that that obedience is what unlocks your destiny. It, it, it is the obedience. See, I could have all the faith in, my, in, in the world that God was going to give me what he promised. And he was going to take me into the things that he promised me. All the faith in the world. But if I didn't have the obedience to pack up the U-Haul and move to Texas from Washington, I hijacked my own destiny. Well, shouldn't he just, this is how we think, shouldn't he just move you? Like we think like the host of heaven should go pick us up, pack our stuff, move us all the way here, and then open doors for us. Like we never have to work, like we never have to pray, like we never have to hone our craft, like we never have, no, 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 no. It is the faith and obedience that work together. It is faith on one side of the pedal and obedience on others. The bike only moves when both feet are pedaling. You ever tried to pedal a bike on one side? It's difficult. Faith gets you moving, but obedience keeps you moving. It's faith, obedience, faith, obedience, faith, obedience. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Great faith in God cannot overcome personal disobedience in you. Well, pastor, I got great faith, but if you don't have great obedience, your great faith is being nullified. The commitment to climb has to be coupled with the commitment to obey. See, we've been talking about climbing higher, and everyone's getting excited about climbing higher. Man, we're climbing. We're climbing. It's like, it's like code words around our church. Like, are you climbing this week? Oh, yeah, I'm climbing climbing higher. I'm climbing higher. It's like, okay, cool. It's like, you climbing higher? You don't seem like you've been climbing higher. You, you all seem like you've been in the valley. It's, better get up on I saw your Facebook this week. You look like, looks like you've only been climbing on Sundays. You think maybe on, maybe during the week you should climb up a little bit. Cause, um, but, but if we're, we're not willing to obey, I just want to be with God. Why do we want to be with God? We want to be with God to know God. Why do we want to know God? We want, listen, God chose to use us. God chose to move through us. So to know God is only to be more in tune with his heart so that we can accomplish what is his heart in the earth. The mountaintop is only to get to know him and get marching orders that we can go down in the valley and carry out. I've never lost sight on the mountain, but I've also oftentimes lost sight in the valley. So I got to go up on the mountain to receive my vision and to see the promise. But where when I go back to the valley, is where I have to really walk it out. It's the obedience in the valley. I don't have a problem obeying on the mountain. I walk out of my prayer time like I'm ready to be the best pastor in the world, best husband in the world, best dad in the world. But it's the obedience when I get impatient that my faith doesn't help me when someone gets on my nerves. I just have faith. It's not faith at that point. It's obedience. It's saying no. I'm operating the fruit of the Spirit. Instead of my flesh, I'm going to operate in faith 
instead of feelings. I'm going to choose to do what's right. Well, how do you know what's right, Pastor? I'm going to choose to operate in the word that is written and is declared. And instead of striking people and striking situations, I'm going to begin to speak to rocks. And I don't know what is in your way or what has hijacked you or what has slowed you down or stopped you. But I think it's time today that we just look at that rock and start to speak to it. The rock in your finances, the rock in your relationships, the rock in your marriage. And God God says, if you speak to it, I'll bring water from it. And some of you have looked at the rock and said, how could God bring anything out of that? But this is what God is good at. This is what he's a master at, is bringing something extraordinary out of something that is very ordinary. How would you bring water from a rock? That's that's the power of God. How is God going to bring water from your dried up marriage? How is God going to bring life from your depressed heart? It's impossible. It can't happen. Start speaking to it. Start speaking to it. Well, pastor, I'm not into all that blabbing and grabbing, naming and naming and claiming, all that kind of stuff. Okay, no problem. Just take whatever the word says and declare it over your life. Just take what's in here. The Bible says in Jeremiah that he watches over his word to see that it's fulfilled. The Bible says his word will not return void. So why don't you just take some of that word and put it in your mouth and begin to declare it over every situation in your life. And every rock will begin to produce water in your life. Stop beating up people. Stop talking to people. And speak to the rocks and make them produce something in the desert of your life. I'm telling you, God wants to move you into your promised land, but it's not hinged on your faith. It's hinged on your obedience. It is the miracle, the tandem, the combination, the partnership of faith and obedience that moves you forward into your destiny. It says, so wild when Moses died. I'll say this and I'm done. When Moses died, he climbed up for the last time. The greatest climber in the Bible. The one that set the precedent, the pattern for all of us to meet with God. When he climbed up for the last time, the way that God describes him is absolutely amazing. It actually, it's like a desire. After I read this, it sprung like desire in my heart to be known by God like this. Because this is what he says. When he calls Moses in 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 the last scriptures where he dies, he doesn't say that he's weak and frail. Says he's full of strength and he still has vision. The only way Moses got on top of that mountain was if he still had strength. If you know what that mountain is, Mount Nebo, the, the only way you get up there is if you got strength left. So it wasn't like he almost died and he just drug himself up and people carried him to the top. He climbed all by himself on the last day of his life. And Moses was not called a prince of Egypt by God. He wasn't called a murderer or an Egyptian. He wasn't called a deliverer. It was not Moses, the shepherd in the wilderness. It was not Moses, the spokesman for a nation. It was not Moses, the miracle worker. It was not Moses, the manna provider. It was not Moses, the prophet. It was not Moses, the man who saw a piece of God's glory. It was not Moses, the man who spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to a friend. It was not Moses who never entered the promised land. It was Moses, the servant of the Lord. That's how, she, that's how he's described. And I'll just say this, and this is really discouraging for some, but it's going to be freeing for others. God is more concerned with the state of your heart than your success. And when Moses couldn't enter, 
he was described as a servant of God. And we would think, well, if he didn't enter, he must have been a failure. But I think God looked at him and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Servant. See, this is the thing. This is what Jesus did for me and for you. And you need to go back and listen last week if you missed it. We talked about minding the gap. There's a gap between what we can do and then the vehicle of our destiny. And that Jesus, his grace, covers that gap. So in the Old Testament, Moses disobeyed once, and he had an eternal consequence. But in the New Testament, Jesus made a way that even when we disobey, even when we mess up, he says, I'm going to give you grace. And the Bible says, and Paul speaks of this, and he says, just because we have grace, should we sin all the more? He says, by no means. It is not a license to sin. It's a covering for your sin. Just because you disobeyed today, it's all right. Just get back up and do it again tomorrow. Just climb up here and get my heart. Get in tune with me. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't condemn yourself. I see you. I forgive you. My Jesus came and he mined the gap. He jumped the gap. His grace jumped between what I could do and what he was taking me to. His grace did that for me and for you. So you can read this and get discouraged because you know you've disobeyed. And I know I've disobeyed. But I know this, that that was the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, he ushered us in into a new place and into a new realm into a new law and a new covenant and that new covenant says I'm not excusing it but I will cover it because when the woman that was caught in the act of adultery came to Jesus he didn't just say hey everybody leave her alone now you go do your business he stopped her he gave her grace he stopped the accuser but then he said go and sin no more so he covered her sin but he didn't condemn her for her sin some of us have been walking in disobedience God's not condemning you today. He forgives you. He loves you. But he's saying, don't do it anymore. Come on. Walk with me. Obey me. Walk in faith and obedience and let me begin to unlock the destiny that is in your life. Let me start opening doors of possibility. Let me promote you. Let me move you. Let me heal you. Let me break open areas of opportunity that you never even thought was possible. Let me do that for you. It's not just faith. It's faith and obedience. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.